the blast from our past network. Hot ride? Hot ride! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! No good for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. <laughs> Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We... I said that right. Okay. Whew, just making sure I said that right. I thought I screwed it up. We are two super fans watching every single episode of Seinfeld back to back to back because we love Seinfeld. You love Seinfeld. Corey loves Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. My name's Adam. I've already said it. I'm Adam. I'm Corey. You said and it. I, already said that. <laughs> I said that too, but whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, today, we are talking season six, episode 15, The Beard. First aired on February 9th, 1995. Corey, my man, could you please give us that synopsis? Of course, The Beard. Elaine poses as a beard for a gay male friend, then attempts to convert him to heterosexuality. George wears a toupee and turns down a woman because she's bald. Kramer makes money by posing in police lineups. Jerry must take a lie detector test to prove he's not a fan of Melrose Place. So, Adam, did you watch Melrose Place back in the day? No, I, I didn't give a shit about Melrose, Melrose Place. It was, it was honestly probably it was too old for me um, mm. when it came on, so I just didn't give a shit about it. So, yeah. Okay. I did watch Melrose Place, so I oh. found this to be very amusing. Yeah, so it ran from 92 to 99. But, yeah, 92, I was six years old when okay. this came out. And I so and then ninety nine I was uh, fourteen years old so I just didn't give a shit about it when this one did it so it's like but you so I'm curious if the references that they made so we'll just say it blankly the references that they made were they fitting for the show oh absolutely yes interesting yes. that's cute <laughs> yes. I like that that is cute yep so. yep yeah no it was fun and it was like because I watched nine oh nine oh two one oh back in the day and that kind of like segued into uh, I think it was called like Pacific Heights or something like that and then the the other spinoff show from nine oh two one oh was Melrose Place and I definitely watched that I didn't like I didn't love it, but I was watching it, and it was it was weird because I was I felt like oh I'm an like not an adult now, but like I can watch sort of adult TV now type of thing, and it was sort of like my first like like not it's not a sitcom, it's like a soap, like a nighttime soap, you know. And I felt I felt mature for watching it, but I was like you know 14 years old. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of hot chicks on it, so that didn't hurt either, you know. No, we all like hot chicks. And and so, did you ever watch Nine Hundred Two and I mean, that's even earlier. But uh, no, actually, I don't think I don't think that's any earlier. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really watch that either. I mean, again, that was it, the age before, difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get it. That's exactly. I, I was just I was too young, so I didn't give a shit about those kind of shows. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. So, but. I know their cultural impact is yeah. pretty huge. So. Yeah, you're, you're not like oh, you're right. you're, you weren't oblivious to to their existence. Yep, and I was wrong. It was earlier, so it was from 1990 to 90 to 2000. Holy shit! It yeah. lasted the entire decade from 1990 to 2000. And then they came back later, just a couple of years As ago. As 90210, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah I mean, I, that, that was yeah, way too early for me. I didn't give a shit about that, but I, yeah. I, I'm sure my sister probably watched some of that shit. <laughs> Yeah. Or my brother, 
John uh, for different reasons, if I had to guess. <laughs> yep, probably the same reasons as me, because, yeah, I'm a little bit closer in age to John. Yeah, so. All right, let's talk Seinfeld, though. I don't give a shit about Melrose Place. I don't give a shit about uh, Beverly Hills 90210. I care about Seinfeld. So let's start our breakdown with a stand-up on wanted posters. The whole concept of the wanted poster has got to be the most wildly optimistic crime-fighting idea. I mean, so how does this work, okay? I'm in line at the post office. I see this guy. I see the list of offenses. I check the guy standing in the line behind me. If that's not him, that's pretty much all I can do. It's not that I don't want to help. You know, the annoying thing is... Why didn't they hold on to the guy when they are taking the picture? No, we, no, we don't do it that way. We take the picture and we let him go. That's how we get the front and the side shot. The front is his face. The side is him leaving. Yeah. Yep. I do agree that the wanted sign is a is a bit of an antiquated thing. I, I can't ever imagine how you see it in movies all the time where someone like is on the news at the gas station. They start talking about the the person that's wanted, and then the person in line looks over and they're behind them. Dude, that doesn't happen in real life, man. <laughs> at, like at all. No, but I mean, for someone who I actually kind of like work for, I don't work for the police department, but I work for the city government, and. Making sure you put out pictures of who this person is. I live in a small, well, the thing is, they live in New York. I live in a town uh, or a city of 30,000 people, 32,000 people, I think. Put out a picture, someone will very likely recognize them. Okay. Compared to New York, like, you know, it, it's, that's too huge. But I guess it's just, it's just you know, different strokes. No, I think you're 100% correct. I think the size of the town probably is dictates the effectiveness of the wanted poster. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Okay. Let's get into the episode. Elaine and Jerry are at the apartment eating some Chinese food. Mm. And she stinks with chopsticks. I wanted to ask you, how good are you with your chopsticks? I'm like, I'm, I, I can handle them, but I'm not like doing anything fancy with them. You know what I mean? But I can make them work. What the fuck is fancy with the chopsticks? Do, uh, I, do how about this? I, I can't I can't grab a fly out of out of midair like uh like in, in Karate Kid type of thing. Yeah, Mr. Know? Miyagi. Yeah. Um, you know, none of us are Mr. Miyagi. Well, well, remember Larusso was the one that did it. Remember, so did Miyagi do it first? Well, he was always trying to do it, and then Larusso did it. And he's like, hey, oh, look at this, yeah, and then Miyagi right. got all pissed off. Okay, um, I feel i'm not you know i'm no larusso but i'm i feel like i'm very capable with my chopsticks i feel very um i've been doing chopsticks since i was a kid my dad was someone who was basically just like hey when when you eat these type of foods you're gonna eat with chopsticks and so when we ate it you know at his house um obviously because we were divorced and you know whatever he was just like he would literally when we went to restaurants like japanese or chinese restaurants my dad would take away the forks and be like, here, you're going to be using the chopsticks. And so, you know, and it sounds like, you know, a little, you know, asinine to a, to a bit of a sense, but I'm actually kind of glad it happened because now I'm very comfortable with my chopsticks. Yeah, no, I, th I think that was very progressive of your dad to be like, no, no, learn something different this way, you know? And I, I applaud him for that, dude. Uh, do you still use chopsticks when you eat Chinese food? Yeah, every single time. <laughs> and I think it's probably because of that 
Um, you just think it's instilled in your head. When I go to a Chinese restaurant or anything like that. Or sushi, yeah. Sushi, oh yeah, sushi. I, actually, I eat sushi quite a bit with my hands as okay. opposed to chopsticks. Because actually, sushi, is, sushi works really well with a hand pickup you dip in. But I, I mean, I do 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 with chopsticks too very, very often. Um, but like if I'm eating fried rice, if I am eating, um, you know, any kind of noodle dish, not any kind, not Italian, but like if I am eating at an Asian inspired restaurant, I will always ask for the chopsticks over the fork and then I will set the fork aside. I'll eat my salad with the chopsticks. I'll eat everything with the chopsticks. And that's just how it is. I get into that zone. And I'm honestly very much like you, um, but also for me, it's an added bonus because I'm kind of a fast eater and then I get, you know, indigestion. Everyone's like, oh, slow down. I'm like, I know. The, the Actually, the chopsticks force me to eat a little bit slower and uh, just because you, you know, or I can't shovel as much into my maw as, you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like a fucking snake, but it makes me eat slower and I enjoy them. And yeah, I'm like you. I, if I can use chopsticks, like if I'm at a restaurant that has them, if that's an option, I will use the chopsticks over like silverware. And I've heard that is a good way for some people to attack, um, you know, if they're trying to eat a little bit less or whatnot, go with chopsticks over forks uh, because it will force you to eat slower. My problem is I feel I'm good enough with chopsticks and I'm not even kidding. I do not eat slow with chopsticks. I fucking go to town. Like if I'm if I'm if I'm eating with noodles, if I'm eating with sushi, I will grab, dip, eat, grab, dip, eat, and it's about that pace. And I'm not even fucking kidding. And it's even with rice. I can scoop up the rice pretty goddamn well. And I just like, I I fuck. I'm still fat. I'm still fucking fat, no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Let's get into the episode. Uh, yes, they're eating the Chinese food. Um, Elaine has tickets to the ballet. Uh, it's uh, it's not the Nutcracker. Swan Lake. Is that Swan what it was? Swan Lake, yeah. Yep, yeah, Swan, Swan Lake. Lake. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she is going as a beard, and she explains that a beard is basically a fake girlfriend for a gay guy. That's what that is. That, that is the nickname for that. So uh, George calls to come up. And George, uh, he's got some fun little <laughs> moments when he, when he like calls the government here. He's like, "Get it on with your bad self," and <laughs> just kind of, kind of like, we're at the moment of Seinfeld where they can do that. They can't do that in seasons one, two, mm-hmm. and three because mm-hmm. you don't know George's voice well enough. But by season six, you know George; he's a bit silly, and you understand his voice. That when it's talking through this door, this like door speaker, it's fu- you get it, and it's just like, oh, that's just kind of cute. Yeah, I loved it, dude. I I loved it. I love it when they have uh, like you know sometimes they do like yep, yep, you know like someone will say yep, he'll say yep, yeah, stuff like that. It's all good. Real quick, I just thought of this to add to the the discussion last week of missing things that they missed in the the top 100 clips oh. <laughs> I was wow, hoping I know I was hoping that we would see the awesome uh, hand, uh, the phone thing where Jerry hits one end of the phone oh, and it flips yeah. over and he grabbed it. I was like, damn it, that would have been a good one. But yeah, that was Anyways. a cool, that was a cool singular one. That could have been like a three second shot. Yeah. Boom. Drop in. Yeah, that was very I, cool. I oh, just thought about that because we're talking about the apartment and everything. Yeah. That would have been we, awesome. But yeah. Also, you're talking about like their friendship, George and Jerry's friendship. They can do that kind of stuff over the, over the intercom yeah. and it, and it works well. Similar stuff. They can do that kind of, they, they're in sync. Yep. Exactly. Not the band, but you know what I mean? 
It's gotta be me. I hate that. Every fucking year, um, you know, come uh, the end of (laughs) April, you're going to see these bajillions of my like nerdy friends. Some like mostly like my female friends are like, oh, my God, here's this post. It and it's Justin Timberlake. It's gonna be May, and I'm just like, uh. <laughs> well, you would absolutely hate it. Uh, uh, every time we played the Friday the Thirteenth game with my friends, um, when the game is loading in, we're all sort of waiting to see who's going to be Jason, and inevitably, every single game, someone starts yelling, "It's gonna be May." <laughs> all the every game, every game, every single game, and we played hundreds of them. So, yeah. <laughs> We might have gone insane. I downloaded that game, but I actually haven't. I haven't played it yet. So it was on a free download. Yeah. Um, and I haven't gotten it. Because I haven't actually played it yet. I'm sure there's not that many people playing on the server anymore. It's dead. Uh, yeah. It's. it's oh, a, is it? Well, the okay. the company is. They're not updating it anymore. So. Oh well, then yeah, then I won't even give it yeah. a shot. But. Yeah. Um, but it looked like a really fucking fun game. It is. It, it was a lot of fun. A lot of. It's fun. a lot. A lot like Amongst Us, but you're you're as Jason, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an iso. It's an. Or it was iso. No. Um. Anyways, yeah. It's it's like an offsided uh, multiplayer. One person is Jason. Everyone else is counselors, and you can't really kill Jason. You can. There's like one way to do it, but you're essentially just trying to survive and get off the map. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get back to Seinfeld again from that other tangent. All right. Uh, Kramer comes in. Uh, George is uh, apparently still wearing this toupee. They're talking about him still wearing the toupee from the last episode, not the hundreds episode, yeah, not yeah. The, uh, but the one before. Uh, so it's still a thing. And Kramer is all for it. And honestly, I'm with Kramer on this. If it gives him a little bit of confidence, who gives a fuck? I've always been on George's side with this. Uh, ever since I, ve- like, first time I ever saw this, I thought George looked great. Um, I'm on Kramer's side that he's supportive and it's not until now when I'm 43 years old, when I'm like looking at him, I'm like, yeah, dude, like J- Jerry, like just be more supportive of your friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, man, I, th- this, and it doesn't ding it like as far as like rating goes, but I was a little, I wasn't upset at Jerry, but I was like, come on, man, be, be supportive yeah. of your friend, dude. It's giving him so much confidence and I think actually I mentioned this last, well, the last real episode, and it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, I would look down on toupees before and just being like, wow, man, just fucking deal with what you are. But it's like, if you can do one little thing that boosts your confidence, then fucking do it. Yeah. Same kind of thing with, um, you know, if you're getting a, a breast implant yeah. or, or a reduction or whatever. And if it's like that little thing that or whatever that plastic surgery thing is. I would look. I literally would look down on plastic surgery, but it's like if that little thing makes you feel better about yourself and you can go about this world feeling better, who gives a fuck? Just do it and move on and feel happier about you. Exactly, exactly. And you know, to give another example that's not female centric, like I know guys get like calf implants and whatnot, and same thing. I would always be like, well, just work your calves out. But no, now that I'm 43, I'm like, no. Everyone has a right to be happy. Everyone has a right to choose whatever they want to choose to make them happy. You know what I mean? And George looks fucking great, by the way. Um, and I don't hate his attitude. Like, I, this is not the same kind of cocky George that mm-hmm. we hate. It's not the same. It, there's, obviously, there's a little bit of it, right? Obviously, it can go in that direction. But for some reason, it's not. I don't hate this George at all. Before I dive into that, I want to talk calves. 
because uh, <laughs> you, you bring up Kaz specifically. And literally, last week, so I'm actually, I've been hitting the gym again. I'm still a fat fuck, but I've been hitting the gym uh, this week, this last week and the week before and whatnot. And I looked at my calves and I was like, God damn, my calves are good. I bet if me and Corey did a calf off again, <laughs> I bet I would fucking win. Like, I just, I felt really good about them. <laughs> I, hey, man, if you want to do another one, I am always on board. <laughs> just I love it all right all right maybe maybe i'm pissed off i pissed off that i lost the last calf off because of bad lighting yeah and that fucked I mean, me over i mean come on buddy you gotta do you gotta present the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah so all right let's talk seinfeld in comes george yes brimming with confidence as we kind of mentioned um elaine thinks he looks ridiculous uh kramer he's yeah he, he's all for it, and he also knows someone who might be interested in George. Who He just mentions, hey, I've got somebody who might. Um, he mentions, Kramer mentions that she was gorgeous, at least that when he knew her five years ago. A little bit of that shitty George. He's so goddamn pretentious. He feels like he has to see her first. I can't date her unless I see her. And it's just like, go on a goddamn blind date. You're fucking single. You've been single for a long fucking time. So he's kind of right here. It takes his confidence to like a fuck you level. It brings it down when he turns, when he says, I have to see her first. And and what I find to be sad about that is that he only said it because it was a plot point to get the, to get the, mm. the, you know, the police sketch artist to do it, yeah. you know? So it's like, damn. So we got to ding him. And I agree with you. hundred percent agree with you, you because I'm watching it. it and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of shitty, but I'm like, ah, crap. It's almost like he's being forced to say that by the gods, you know what I mean? To, to make the plot point go forward. <laughs> I mean, they, but, um, they but yes, ri- they could have written around that, yes. but you know, they didn't make George. Well, she, he he, he could have said like, 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 I'm excited to see her, but uh, yeah, I know what I mean. Like he could have made it so he was he was still agreeing to do it, but still set up the same situation. You know what I mean? Oh man, I I, I'm 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 pretty down for this, but I I really wish I could have seen I could have known what she looks like. Yeah. Well, I know this guy. Yeah. So let's whatever it it is, it it could have been could have changed that. It could have been a more positive uh, interaction. Yeah. 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 So all right, but yeah, as you mentioned, uh, they are gonna do a police sketch artist. Kramer knows a guy, so they're gonna go do that. All right. Kramer, uh, on the way, drops off uh, some remaining food to this homeless guy. Please tell me you recognize the homeless guy. I mean, of course I did, but I recognize him from something dramatically different than what you recognize him from. It's John Grease, and I know him from Terror Vision, a movie yes. that Zach and I reviewed on Podcasting After Dark. But most people are going to know him as Uncle Rico from Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. I better can throw a fucking football over them mountains. <laughs> I mean, dude, this guy's another character actor that's been around forever, and he's always fantastic in everything he does. He is. He's great. When I saw him, I was just like, oh, my God, I recognize you, but what can I – I can't remember. And then you look him up, and it's like, oh, shit, it's Uncle Rico. Now, yep. granted, he had some different makeup on at the time and whatnot, but it's just like, damn, this guy is in – so much shit. I mean, yeah, this dude's been working for a long time, and yeah, he's he's put out some good stuff. And I, I always do remember him in this in this role. You know what I mean? Like this is one of the one of the main ones I do remember him for. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, they get to the uh, police station, and Kramer. Oh, real ex- quick, but real quick, uh, Kramer does give him uh, um, Chinese oh, yeah. food with, t- uh, you know, and it's in Tupperware, and, t- and Kramer's gonna okay. want want that Tupperware back uh, later. And the only yes, thing yes, I wanted yes. to wanted to note was I do remember, like, growing up in the '80s, like how big of a deal like. 
Tupperware was and like getting it back. And I do remember this was a very zeitgeisty thing. But nowadays, dude, you can go to Target and buy (laughs) so many like Tupperware containers now that I just don't feel like it's as applicable anymore. I had this exact same talking point. I just had it a little bit later. Okay. But yes, this is 100%. Let's just go ahead and do it now. Um, yes, Tupperware was a thing. And he'll talk about the patented burp, all burp, that kind of yeah. bullshit. But like nowadays, you can buy cheap plasticky Tupperware. And it's perfect. Now, granted, most people nowadays will buy a fucking, uh, you know, their, their sandwich meat in a small thing of Tupperware. And if you need to send something with somebody, put it in that Tupperware and move it on. So it's like a lot there that Tupperware isn't this grandiose thing, but back in 95, it kind of was, they didn't turn it into like, you know, cheaper plastic, cheaper, um, manufacturing situations that we have now. And so, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree where Tupperware was, there were Tupperware parties. There was like these whole like sell things that Tupperware was such a, it was a brand name. You know, Tupperware was a brand name. If I am remembering no, no, correctly. It is. Yeah, no, that that's yeah. a, it's a brand name. Um, I had a buddy in marketing. Uh, there's a term for this. When the brand name becomes the name, yeah. which is like Kleenex, band Google something. Yeah, Google something. It's when, And it's not actually a good thing because then the, the actual, the consumer isn't as discerning about what they want. Um, but yeah, it's there is a term for that. And yes, Tupperware is a brand name, but now we just call all of it Tupperware. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's just an interesting little '90s thing that I kind of was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, huh, yeah. you can buy Tupperware every now, everywhere now, I, like everywhere. I picked up on it as well. Yeah, it is cheap. It is so it's 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 a non sequitur thing now where it's like, oh, you you know, nowadays, I, if someone's sick, I will go drop off a dish for them, and I don't expect the shit back because no. it's just fucking cheap Tupperware. It's, exactly. it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Plastic is cheap, and that's why it's all over our fucking oceans. Yep. Um, because we just make it, and it's cheap, and it's bullshit. Um, we should probably use less of it, if I had to say. I think you're 100% <laughs> correct. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Kramer explains to uh, the sketch artist about this woman. Um, we don't see it, but George takes a look, and it woo-woo, seems very beautiful. He's all excited about this person based on the sketch. Uh, Jerry eyes a female officer at this point. Kramer co- checks back in on the way back with the homeless guy. He- here's where he wants his Tupperware back. This is where I was going to start the discussion. Um, but yeah, the guy doesn't want to return it and he walks off. Yeah. And so obviously Kramer's a bit pissed off about that. <laughs> he's, he's, he's off to throw a football over a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> throw a Tupperware. I can throw that Tupperware over <laughs> a mountain. Go. There you go. <laughs> so... Hey, everybody, it's your two favorite podcast hosts, Adam and Corey from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and we have something very exciting to tell you about. That's right. We have decided to take on not just Seinfeld, but also Curb Your Enthusiasm, exclusive to our Patreon feed. So that means every single month we go episode by episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the fun thing is, I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm before, so I am super excited to go down this road with you, Adam. But even better, when you join at the Curb Your Enthusiasm tier, you also unlock the complete back catalog of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, totally ad-free. So you get Seinfeld, you get Curb, and you get Adam and Corey. What else could you want? I don't know, maybe to dip my bald head in oil and rub it all over your body? Uh, I'm sorry, Corey. That's another tier. We're not ready for that yet. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. All right. Well, now back to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. All right. At the ballet, uh, we meet the gay friend. Um, he's played by somebody I didn't even really check in with. He didn't hasn't done much of shit that I noticed. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. The, the, actually, his boss. Um, it's weird because his name. Uh, you don't actually hear it on the show, mm. but his name is Mr. Stevenson, and spelled the exact same way as, as my name is. Um, but he's played by Edward Winter. Um, who, if you look him up, I mean, he's done. That. He's done so. He's done so much stuff. There's just a shit ton of uh, of, of you know character work and everything that he's done and his wife in it uh, i forgot i did forget to look up her name but she i believe played dr quinn medicine woman's mother so she was like mrs quinn on dr quinn medicine woman cool (laughs) yeah i know i know for some reason dr quinn medicine woman comes up a lot here and fucking on podcasting after dark i don't i think i watched that show because of my mom i think you know it was one of those i was so young that like i had no control over the tv so i had to watch what she was watching but to this day i remember dr quinn medicine woman i watched dr quinn because of my dad my dad loved dr quinn but it was because i can almost see more right he had a thing for jane seymour Seymour. exactly i i when I was younger, I was like, oh, just dad like the show. Being older, I'm like, oh, dad like fucking James Seymour. <laughs> you're like, you're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh, this is why we watch, like, literally, my dad loves Xena. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, he watched, he liked watching these, these, you know, women, you know, being, you know, athletic and all this kind of stuff. And also, Lucy Lawless is a fucking attractive oh, yeah. woman. Oh, yeah. All this kind of shit. I'm just like, yeah, now I'm realizing. Yeah, that's probably why Dad watched this shit. It's it's, it's always a weird feeling, and guys, you, you, no matter what age, you'll, you'll eventually put it together. It's always a weird feeling when you figure out what your dad's type is. Dude, <laughs> you know? You're dude. Like, oh, okay, I, I want to throw this little story out there. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dad doesn't. I, he'll never listen to a podcast. I love my dad, and uh, John doesn't listen to this. But I, I I wonder if John has come to the same conclusion I have. My dad. For the longest time that I remember him, he had a uh, um, a poster of Corey Everson in his bedroom. Corey Everson was Miss Olympia in the earlier like uh, '80s, that kind of stuff. She was. Um, How do you spell Corey, by the way, for her? Do you remember? Uh, C O R Y. Okay. And she was a Miss Olympia, and he had this poster on his wall and it was um, with these two barbells, one like up, one down, and he had this poster forever. And I'm just like, okay, dad likes working out or whatever. And then it eventually fucking hit me. Dad has a boner for Corey Everson. (laughs) Why the fuck else? Why would he not? Why else would he have her poster on his goddamn wall? He's a single guy. He would have her poster on his wall for so fucking long. He liked fit girls. Dad liked Fit Girls, and he liked Corey Everson. Yeah. That's obviously it. Yeah, that's it, dude. I mean, the funny thing is, you tried to, like, as a kid, try to put this, like, pedestal up or whatever, but no, no. Your dad is just a guy like the rest of us, and he's like, I like this. I'm going to put this on my wall because when I look at it, it feels good. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a horrible moment when you realize I now know what my dad's type is. Yeah, it's disturbing. And it's you know it's in his disturbing. bedroom and it's like easy access for viewing access from his bed. And it's like, oh, I don't want to know that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> the onion layer. The onion layer. Uh, 
Feeling back. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Okay. So everyone, everyone's homework is to look up a, a picture of Corey Everson and see if you can find that poster on Google. No, no. Think about your own parents and what did they jerk off yes, to? Yes, that's what you need. <laughs> yes, leave a comment on Facebook. Let us yes. know what 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 parents? body type you found out your parents liked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So at one point while we're at the ballet, um, uh, the guy goes to the bathroom. We meet the boss. We meet the wife. And they're all very kind of surprised that he has a girlfriend. And Elaine's pulling it off very nicely. I would say she's doing a great job being the beard. Yes. She's taking her job as the beards very, very seriously. And I think she's pulling it off well. 100%. Absolutely agreed. And so even when she, you know, she's trying to really emphasize this is a thing when he comes back from the bathroom she plants a kiss on him right away yeah yeah so. and I, I you know i like the boss how he's like are you sure like because he clearly knows like he, <laughs> yeah, he knows yeah. and that's and and also too i i can't remember if they're gonna come back around i kind of don't feel like they are but i mean the boss seemed to not really care ultimately that that he was gay that is the funny thing because they seem to not. They, it was obvious that they knew something, but they still invited him. Yeah, and so it's like they yeah, they seem to not care. So it's just like, who? Why does it matter? I I almost think that that the guy her, her the, the the beard that she was bearding for, I think he ov- overcompensated for it. I think his boss actually yeah. might have actually been more open to it than he probably thought he would but again this, I is, agree. this is mid 90s or you know so I, I get it i totally understand yeah but but i would i would argue that this show kind of you know proved it's um that they were a little bit more progressive for the time than they thought because or at least like saying that the boss was fine with it it's just like yeah it's not a big deal as long as this guy's like the guy the boss still Wanted invited to him. Yeah. invited him and, and, and still like no right. or like believing what he thought he was, which is gay. Not a big deal, obviously. But the boss never treated it like a big deal. And and it's cool because we're only informed by this interaction, so we have to just extrapolate. He invited him. He clearly knows that he was gay. Yeah. I think the I honestly think the boss was hoping that he, that the that this gentleman, Jesus, yeah. we both forget his name, the that she's bearding for. I think they were trying to like just bring him in and try to make him, you know, more comfortable. But I think, I think it was more of his thing. The, the, the gay yeah. guys thing. I was, but again, I do think that it was probably more of a defense mechanism from that time era, you know? True. I think it's a good point, but I agree with the, the defense mechanism aspect. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. The next day at monks, Elaine is kind of explaining the night and how well it went. And we kind of find out, Oh no, we kind of, we find out she's got some feelings for this guy. Yeah, yeah, and we kick off a fantastic, I mean, again, this is so funny that the clip show was one episode prior, because we mentioned last episode that we would have, probably would have seen the Elaine ripping George's toupee off, and I think we would have seen this entire dialogue, because the whole Mm. teams and everything is something that I hear is is such a, a reference thing to Seinfeld, you know, now, watching it now. The only pushback that I would say, it, it is progressive for the time, but it does not allow for bisexuality in this uh, um, allegory or, or whatever that they're going with. It does not really allow for True. the room for bisexuality, um, almost to the point where it's, it's not a, a— It's a this this or the other. It's not a anything in between. Exactly. Which I think a lot of people have mostly realized that it's kind of a— It's fluid. fluid not a fluid. It's a yeah, fluid chart where it's just like— 
there's a lot of in between. Yes. It's not like you know yes. people can love whoever the fuck they want to love. And, and I and I love the fact I I truly love the fact that in 2021 we're there, and we're not we weren't there yet here. You know, but like bisexuality is still a bad word here back in 94 95. But oh, but yeah. I still like the fact that they did this storyline. You know, like I like You're that right. they still tackled it. Yeah, gay is still a bad word, but less of a bad word. Bisexuality is not understood at yes, all. Completely and then when you get into polyamorous and mm-hmm. all the other arrests, unfortunately, I just don't know. Yeah. And I just, I don't know in general. Um, this We're way, way, way in front of that. Yep, yep, exa- exactly, which is good. That's, that's a great thing, and, I, I, and I'm not going to ding this episode for it, but I yeah. was, I did notice it this time. I was like, I oh, would, man, you're, you're, it's, it's so black and white, you're not leaving any room for bisexuality at all. On the complete other side, I would not ding it. I would say this is, this is doing a good step in the right yeah, direction. exactly. You're right, 100%. Yeah. So and right. and this dialogue is fantastic. It is. It is fantastic. I mean, the analogies to baseball is just great. If there's a couple things that we know about Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld loves Superman, obviously, but he also fucking loves baseball, and like he like he ties this into sports and like playing for the other team yep. and all that kind of stuff. That I think it fits really well, um, you know, with Seinfeld about like oh who you're dating and like, you know, oh man, they don't, they don't use the equipment. They're not comfortable with the equipment that, you know, on the other side, that kind of stuff. I think that works incredibly well the way that they've discussed it. And also it just shows like the way that um, Jerry talks to Elaine about like, you know, she's super hopeful about this, but like Jerry's like, are you desperate enough to try this? And yeah, she is because she's like, there's, really not much on her team that she's willing to try. And so she's willing to go to the other team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, oh no, <laughs> we're going to, we're yeah. going to find out that unfortunately she only has about 30 to 40 minutes of uh, time with the equipment, maybe once a week, if possible, nothing to compare having the equipment on you all the time. So it's going <laughs> to yes, be huge <laughs> barring thing for her. Yes. So, all right. At the apartment, uh, Jerry's on the phone with the female officer. They make a date good for him he he does he does well with uh you know finding a uh, female that he's interested in and moving forward with her uh kramer comes in looking for some tupperware because he doesn't have any he talks about the burp is what locks in the freshness which is basically kind of what they talked about you know back in the day with tupperware that you you know you push it down and it locks in you pull that air out they get that patented burp yep uh which is stupid and a thing but whatever yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much covered it all. I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, George comes in and, you know, he had, uh, he did talk uh, to uh, Kramer's friend and, you know, they're going to, you know, meet up and all that kind of stuff. Um, Jerry asks, George, did you tell her about your little hair hat? I love, I, even though George, Jerry is, you know, on the wrong side of, you know, what he should think. I love the way that he pokes and prods at George about like, Hey, your little hat there, your little fucking like, you know, rug that you got on top, that kind of shit. It's, it's funny. It's the kind of way that a good friend should and does, you know, kind of rip on their buddy. Yeah. 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 
I don't know. Sometimes I'm I'm on the fence of of how supportive Jerry should be here. It's it's funny ultimately, and I kind of like I only give Jerry a pass because he's known George the longest. Yeah. Um, and and I I just I only wish that I could have seen something a little bit more supportive from him. Okay. But I do agree the jo- the the jabs that he does it's not unheard of for one guy to jab another one like that, and it's very much a guy thing. I just, I, I just, man, this is the first time I've really viewed it, and I was like, damn, I, I really think George's friend should have been more supportive. I, I, it was hard to get away from that thought this episode, truly, and I wanted to just Interesting. fully go into it, but truly, it was hard to kind of separate that thought, you know. And maybe it's because I have such good friends, and you know, I mean, you, Zach, all these people that I surround myself with are very supportive. You're a very supportive friend, and it's like, it's like, damn, don't don't sit here and think about when you're supportive, and don't uh, think that it's an insult because you are a supportive friend. You're actually is, a good fucking friend. <laughs> the thing I'm thinking about is me, you, Zach. We all have heads of hair. We do. We we do. There's no. There's no bald fuckers. I know. I know. And then Tim and Dean, they shave their heads. So I yeah, don't... they're bald. They're the bald fuckers. Tim and Dean, you're the bald fuckers. I don't support you. I, I'm just kidding. I fucking love you. You guys are awesome. Go check out Talking Back. We love those guys. Yes. <laughs> those yes, bald fuckers please. from Canada. <laughs> That's the problem. They're fucking Canadian. They, they can't. They can't grow hair in Canada. That's the issue. Uh, I'm just kidding. All right, we love them. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a cute little exchange that they have. They also debate if his whole hairpiece is noticeable. And I kind of been on Kramer's side. I think it matches really fucking well. Yeah, no, it it looks fantastic. Of of course, it's, I mean, it's not a cheap toupee. It's, It's a good toupee. Yeah. And the thing is, we've all seen George for fucking five and a half seasons. So it's like, we know what he's quote-unquote, supposed to look like. Just like Jerry. And, yeah, just like Jerry. And so it's hard to remove that from our memories. Um, but if you met him for the first time, I wouldn't be like, oh, wow, you, it's it's an obvious toupee. Because it's not. It's not an obvious toupee. I've seen some obvious toupees I seriously have in my time, and that is not an obvious well, toupee. And that's the thing. They're banking on us as a joke they're banking on us as the audience to have seen the terrible toupees that we all understand are terrible toupees. Now, I know that you're not a big vacation fan, but like the uncle, the old uncle in Christmas Vacation, mm. um, I know. He, I, I've seen the movie. He had a terrible toupee, and that's what we're all thinking. But the problem is, is that the wardrobe department, I guess, makeup department, gave him a good toupee. You know what I mean? So like. I don't know. Like, so my question to you, Adam, do you think that would the joke have landed better if he maybe his his toupee was down to quality a little bit? Like it was a little bit more of a shitty toupee? Or do you think yeah, it's just I, fine the way it is? I I guess it depends on what side you're trying to take. But if they're trying to emphasize the issue of how it looks it needed to look worse. Like it needed to be slightly, it looked like it was straight on his hair color. They like, otherwise they needed to change it just slightly different. Like, no, like the guy, he looked like to me, I've seen people with plugs, you know, I mean, granted he didn't look like he had plugs because it looked too, too many different follicles. But, um, overall, 
it looks right on. Yeah. Right on the money. And so they needed to make it look worse if they were trying to emphasize who you were trying to go with. And for now, I'm with George and Kramer. Yep. I am 100% with George and Kramer. All right. So uh, Jerry and Kramer leave. They're heading over to the police department. Kramer drops off a coin into the homeless guy's coffee. Just kind of funny. I don't know, because he's obviously holding well, it off. I, yeah, he was like, he, yeah. I mean, it was, it was sad. It's sad because Kramer was actually apologizing for, yes, for he earlier. Was. He was like, hey, man, I'm really sorry about, you know, the exchange earlier, essentially. He seemed to be past the whole fucking Tupperware thing. Yeah. And he was giving the guy some extra money. But, um, but that caused some extra issue. Yeah, because, yeah, he literally dropped it in the guy's coffee. And the guy's like, my my coffee you know yeah. and kramer's like looking back like trying to smile and walks into the the gate i i liked it i liked mm. the whole thing and he, but it just sucks because i do think kramer was trying to be nice i agree all right at the police station kramer volunteers to be in the police lineup for like 50 bucks each time that they do it i don't know if that's a real thing i'm gonna have to talk to my police station um just because i have easy access yeah. to talk to my yeah, police just, station. just walk to walk into your police station in lagrange and just be like hey guys um i have a podcast called cartwright the seinfeld podcast and oh, yeah. we were curious uh do you guys pay to to have people in the lineup how do you how do you fill out the lineup well, because Cartwright doesn't pay enough, I'm going to use my real job, which is <laughs> I, I work for the communications department for the city. That might like, hold more clout, yes. Yeah, hey, I know most of you because I work for the communications department for the city. Um, do you guys pay for these lineups? And they're like, hey, we don't even do li- lineups anymore. I bet that's going to be the discussion. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Lineups probably went out like 20 years ago or something. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. You know what? I will try to do it um, and see if I can get, tag this on to a later episode. I mean, honestly, I, I do hope you do do it. I think that'd be a lot. Of, I just want to hear about how the exchange goes of the conversation. And I okay. do think you should lead with, I have a, I have a podcast called Cartwright Seinfeld Podcast. Hey, do you, remember when, do you remember when Kramer, Kramer stood in for a lineup in season six? Oh We're trying to give some information on that. <laughs> I live in a small town in a fucking red state. They would look at me like a goddamn idiot you, if I did that. You would be arrested. <laughs> Obstruction well, actually, of justice. Actually, I take that back. My state's not a red state anymore. They turned blue this fucking they year. They did? Uh, but my county, my county is very red. Yeah, yeah. You guys are very purple down there now, huh? Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. It makes it for a, a wild time. You never know. Wild, wacky time. <laughs> like so. fucking Mr. Toad's wild ride. Yeah. All right. So um, I do think we get some good kind of like just that eh, not not quite over the top uh, Michael Richards physical comedy, but he's like turning the wrong directions and he's just being kind of silly um, during these uh, the police lineups. So and, and uh, it's uh, always fun when like, you know, the guy says turn yeah. left and he turns to the right. You yeah, know? yeah, that's there's great. good awkward humor with that. Exactly. All right. And Monk's. Uh, George meets the woman. She's very attractive, I will say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like how they said almond eyes. And then when you see her, I'm just like, yep, those are almond eyes. But while they're sitting down, we kind of get kind of an over-the-shoulder shot, which just turns into just a shot of George. He's disturbed by something. Did Holy shit. Did the shot zoom in for you? Like, it, it dollies in or something, right? Like, it kind of... Yeah, yeah, it does yeah. something. Okay. Wasn't sure, because, yeah. you know, you can never tell, because, again, we're watching it in the, the not the aspect ratio that it was originally in, and I couldn't remember if it if the shot actually went in or not, you know? Yeah, I would, I would think it'd be somewhat similar, only because uh, when you're switching from... 
Uh, four by three to um, sixteen by nine, uh, you're going from a less wide to a wider shot. So you you have less width to go to. If if you're going from the opposite, which is actually yeah. much more typical, it used to be much more typical going from sixteen by nine to a letterbox or a four by three, paint and scan kind of thing. Um, you would lose some of the left and right. Here we lose some of the top. And bottom, and so I think if we're losing left and right, we would lose her. But if we're losing only top and bottom, which is how Seinfeld did it, um, I think we are pretty much in the correct aspect or close enough. Right. So yeah. So we're not seeing something that's that's fake. And I think we only yeah. saw it the with like the poppy when he's like looking at the the stain because I think. We would yeah, we had, missed. Some I think stuff, they had to do yeah. a cut, like a like a pan and scan kind of cut or something. And we've also speculated. We're curious uh, whether uh, Netflix will retain the original aspect ratio, or if they'll use uh, this this widescreen aspect ratio that Hulu did. Because I I do think when they had Friends, it was in the original uh, aspect ratio on mm. Netflix. So I don't think that they actually did the the widescreen zoom in. So it'd be curious. I'm, I'm and when is it dropping on Netflix? By the way. I've heard multiple different things. I thought the last thing I heard was like middle of the year, like July or something like that. Okay, so we may have to actually switch to to yeah. Netflix during the, the the watching of this. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and we've had these discussions before yeah. about Netflix is notorious about cutting out episodes that are more I don't know controversial. Yeah controversial yeah. than others and so like would they cut out say the drugging your girlfriend to play with her toys con- uh episode where they would they cut out something else or kramer's blackface or something yeah i, I yeah, yeah that kind here's of the thing my bet my podcast bet is that we are there's a high chance i i think we're gonna see seinfeld in its original aspect ratio i think that's how we're they're gonna present it but i think that there is a i don't know if it'll happen but i think there's a high probability they're gonna cut something that's that's what I think. I think we're we're gonna get it in its original aspect ratio, but I, I'm fearful that they're gonna cut something. And I can guarantee you, if that happens, you will be hearing it on Cartwright and Seinfeld podcast. Yeah. We'll be bitching it out. We will be straight up complaining because we're both very much proponents. Check me if I'm wrong. We are proponents of let the media be its media. Let like the art be its art. And then over time you can address it, you know, as it should be like, don't change it for what social media believes it should be. Now take it and then grade it later. Like, you know, that's just how art is. Like I'll go back and I'll watch, you know, some of those Amos and Andy skits and they're like, yeah, they're fucking blackface, which was acceptable at the time. But it's like at the same time, yeah, it's disturbing to watch, but it's like, you understand you have to take things in the context for the time that's at least how i believe mm-hmm. and netflix and mm, facebook and other things like change it for what is the time for present and 
to me, I have an issue with it. I have a massive issue with that. I don't think you should ever like go back and edit you know, older stuff. Uh, I've talked about it uh, before on Podcast After Dark, and I'm probably here, but the fact that Disney Plus added um, in one scene uh, for, for Splash, where Daryl Hannah runs into the beach, uh, into the ocean naked, and uh, you can kind of see her butt. Um, they added uh, CGI hair to cover her butt more. I think that is egregious. Um, I think even worse, uh, Netflix, uh, when they put Final Destination, the original movie, the first movie up on Netflix, they cut out a scene that had uh, someone mimicking uh, being hung, like hanging themselves. Yeah. They cut that out. And uh, I, I, and even more so, I even go more so in the fact that like, you should separate the artist from the art. And like, I don't think we should cancel Chinatown. I don't think we should cancel movies uh, Richard Stanley directed. Yes, I don't condone the actions of the directors, but movies are made by, by multiple people and multiple actors who don't have anything to do with what the director did on their own time outside of the film. You know what I mean? And I don't buy into all of this cancel culture shit. And I think that we should separate the art from the artist because at the end of the day, guys, you're going to have to cut everything. Like everything prior to being made in 2015, you're going to have to delete. Because, and that means books, TV, movies. I mean, come on, Bukowski? He's a fucking piece of shit in real life. You can't fucking have any more Bukowski books. You know what I mean? Like a fucking Hemingway was a piece of shit. Fucking get rid of all yeah, the Hemingway awful. books. He get was a racist every, motherfucker. Get rid of everything that was ever made artistic. And I'm talking to the cancel culture pieces of shit out there. Yeah. Just cancel everything made to prior to 2015. Because that's what it's going to be. That's all it's going to fucking be. So fuck you. Fuck all of you. That's my philosophy on it. Can you say, like, fuck or fucking one more time Bro, this is a massive trigger for me. You have no fucking idea. <laughs> I could tell. I could tell. And it's, it's valid. It's a valid trigger. I understand the trigger, and I'm with you. My sentiment is very similar. We have a lot of similarities with the way we think on stuff. Um, yeah. 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 But you just dropped a lot of fuck fucking. I, I, I thought it was adorable. I, I could literally feel my blood pressure going up. Like, I just... Damn, bro. Like, it got me pissed off. It got me angry. And I, because it's always decisions made by people who don't fucking create anything themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, the gatekeepers to people who create things are by people who don't fucking create. But let's move on. Yeah. Please, please do. I'm so fucking angry. Uh, (laughs) All right. Let's talk about Melrose Place. (laughs) Yes. All right. At the police station, Jerry sees a polygraph test, kind of talks about it. Um, and the, the lady that he is, you know, about to take out on some dates kind of mentions Melrose Place kind of casually, just saying randomly. And he uh, asks if he's seen it and he denies it. And he kind of awkwardly denies it. And she's like, no, fuck that. I don't believe him. I want to put him on the poly. And so she mentions that to a buddy uh, who is who's there. And so, all right, the next day at the apartment, Jerry and Elaine discuss the whole situation. He's embarrassed about liking the show Melrose Place and doesn't want her to know. And so he's going to try and beat the machine. I love Elaine's little comment. Who do you think you are, Costanza? And (laughs) Jerry kind of then clicks. That's it. That's who I should take lessons from. I should talk to George about this shit. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. 
Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. Elaine has another date with the with the uh, gay guy. And, you know, she's being a beard again. Uh, George comes up into the apartment. Um, he lets us know that the date that he had with this very attractive lady... She's bald. She's bald. <laughs> I mean, dude, the way he the way he delivers that line, I can't hear the word bald without thinking that way of delivering it. She's yep. bald. <laughs> and you have to. So, um I like that he says no one goes into the beauty parlor and says, "Give me the Larry Fine." Uh, which Larry Fine is Larry from the Three Stooges, Larry Cohen, uh, Moe and Curly. Um, which, if you know anything about them, Larry has a bald top, very similar to George, but like the long hair on the sides. And so I've seen bald women, I would say mostly African-American women, who shave their head all the way and they can still pull off attractive. It's not a big deal. And even like, you know, I've seen black women who have very, very short hair or they'll use weaves or whatever. It's not a big deal. But if they have, like, the, the male circular male pattern baldness, like Larry Fine had, that is super awkward. So, I, this entire, my entire life, thought that she was just, like, shaved bald. Like, like big, big shaved. Big yeah. shaved, fully rounded. But, and, I, and I, I didn't put it together when he said the Larry Fine. Um, now, us talking about it. So did she have hair on the side? Like she had, she basically had George's, George's old hairstyle. He said, he said specifically, yeah, Larry it Fine. looked like I was looking into the yeah, mirror. Okay. So, and, and, and if it, I, yes. Yeah. I, I, I straight up, I'm going to just, you know, yeah. not cut you off, but I'm going to say, I thought that you look at the woman, the woman 
the actress herself very likely just shaved her head with a bic and that was that. But the way they talk about her, they make it seem like she has hair around the side of her head and she had male pattern baldness. And that is not a typical thing, not an attractive thing. I would definitely put a bic shaved head over that any day. If you had the side hair as a female, that would be a cause of concern. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I it's so funny because this changes literally everything of how I view this interaction between George and her. So now I'm picture I always pictured her with just a smooth bald head and I always thought I was like, "Okay, that's fine. I got no problem with that." I now I see it. And again, and and I don't want to disparage anybody who has that and I'm so sorry, uh female pattern baldness. Even Jerry says like that's a thing and I feel like it's 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 so, it was a deep deep dark secret of humanity that we don't ever talk about that's kind of becoming mm. more um more open and prevalent like in the post 90s 2000s world. Mm-hmm. Like I do actually remember um seeing I think there's like a hair club for women too, like the same, you know, yeah, hair club for is. men. Yeah. So I remember seeing that in the 90s as well, but I I can't lie. I just, I find it very unattractive, but I mean, at the same time, I feel bad for the person who who has it. And I, and I, I would just, I just, yeah, I I don't know what to do. I don't know how to uh, tackle this subject because it's something that I do find (laughs) unattractive and I'm just like, Oh God, I can kind of, I can get George's point of view on this one. Honestly, I get George's point of view more now than I did before. Truthfully, dude, 100% because it's, it's, it goes against, against, the natural feel of how it should go. Um, you know, uh, if you're big and I can guarantee just looking at the actress in her hat and that's all we saw her in was in her hat. She was big shaved and I, and you know, maybe, yeah, or yeah, I think she's probably just put her hair up and they probably had a small, or either, or either, whatever it was, it it looked looked like like she was fully bald is what to me. It looked like that. Yes. And, the kind of quote unquote baldness in women that I've seen personally has never been that perfect circular George Costanza head. It has been uh, thinness. Like I have a grandmother who has super thin hair and like, I, you know, I look at her and I can pretty much see her scalp, but she still has like, you know, just thin it's, hair. Yeah, it's, it's not, there's no, there's thin. no pattern to it. You know, no, it's yeah. only, it's old I, lady thing. Yeah. I, I get she's, it. she's fucking like damn near 90 years old. She's, yeah. she's damn, she, it is thin hair. That's all it is. But like, that doesn't bother me. It's no big deal. It's just like, that's just how, but I mean, if women you know, can age, she's a, she's a grandma though. You're talking about your grandma. Yeah. I would imagine yeah. if you were, you know, in your late my 20s, grandma's early a 30s. Saint. She's a fucking saint, Corey. Yes. I don't know what the fuck you're about to say, but my grandmother's a saint. She is. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she is. I was going <laughs> to say, like, I can imagine that that would be a hard thing to to deal with if you were late 20s, early oh. 30s. You know, and yeah, at that yeah, point, but, but yeah, particularly I would Particularly if you, if, you if you had that male pattern shave on this ring. Just shave it and wear different wigs. Different story. Yep. Yeah, shave it and wear yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. So, and that's not something that we typically see in feminine society that i've noticed or you know in the in in the you know i just i don't think i've ever seen it personally i've only seen the thinness and i've seen that in multiple women not just my grandma but other people um but like that perfect that perfect bald top and you get like that c like the the, yeah yeah the the, larry david homer yeah 
the Larry David. Yeah. My dad has been yeah. that since he's like been in his fucking twenties. To me, that is an extremely masculine yeah. head shape. Yes, and you're you're not wrong, dude. You're not wrong. And all I can say is, I think the sad thing is, I think it happens more than we think it does. I think I think people cover it up probably a lot more because it's not as socially acceptable. Yeah. Than it is for men to to do it, True. you know. And but yeah, I and maybe I just feel bad. That's all. I, I feel bad for anyone women, has to deal with that. Maybe those women do just like fully shave because it is um, more awkward, or get the wigs, or yeah. you know, get weaves, or et cetera, et cetera. So, um, all right, another tangent. Damn. Yeah. All right, we, there's a lot of tangents this episode. I know. All right, so to get back to Seinfeld, <laughs> as you uh, said for Kramer. the fifth time this episode, <laughs> Kramer comes in. Uh, George is kind of all upset with him. Uh, Elaine is pissed at George because he's bald. Um, and I love, love, love George's response. I was bald. I was bald. <laughs> yes, I know. Me too, dude. Yeah. And so she tries to grab the rug. I love this little exchange between the two of them. It's, got, it's phenomenal. It's, this is a late. If, this if, is like if the fucking clip show came out the episode after. Yeah. This would have been it's in beyond. it. <laughs> yep. You get Elaine, like dominant Elaine, who's trying to like fucking you know she's she's the boss at times, yeah. and she's like grabbing this shit. She's trying to. It's just a fucking wonderful scene. George and so she it. does get it. <laughs> She's dodging. She gets it. And then she runs to the window. George, like, starts to go after her. Then he stops because she's, like, holding it hostage. She takes it, puts it out the window, and chucks it. <laughs> and he's – the thing – I want to say the timing yes. that they have set yes. is wonderful because they have her stop, turn around, and be like, this – this is, uh, you know, whatever this, this is what fuck I, she says. I hate this thing, and this is what I think of it, or something like that. I know. Yeah. She throws it out. He runs to the window. She lets go of the blinds at the perfect time where it lands on him as he's looking out the window. It is just choreography perfection. It is comedic gold. And yeah. you know as well as I do, you just called it, like, like timing and everything. This was not easy to pull off and it looks amazing because the blinds drop on george at the perfect time yep yep they used editing to their advantage to to time it out properly i noticed um but exactly like they did that in different shots to make it fit perfectly but like when they did that thing where she held it all in one shot threw it out he came in ran and the blinds dropped god damn that was funny i love it so i love this entire scene dude Yep. Uh, we see the homeless guy picking up the uh, toupee, and he's like, ooh, yeah, good for him. He takes Because he's a bald guy, too. Of course. So. It's John Grease. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, late that night, Elaine had another great date with the gay guy, and she invites him upstairs. And, you know, she's trying to get him to change teams. He's pretty hesitant, mm -hmm. but she's, like, you know, really trying to see if she could. Um I th have we had this discussion? Have you ever changed somebody? Have you ever wanted to try and change somebody from another team? I mean, I've never, like, like someone who's, I guess, not even bisexual, right? Like, they don't yeah. have to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a gay person. Yeah, have you, have yeah. you ever? No, because huh? you're not gay to my knowledge. Yeah. Or you're not bi to my knowledge. <laughs> oh, we all we all are in, in in some way, shape, or form. But um, yeah, no, I haven't had this experience at all. No, okay. have you? 
Uh, no, no, I've never like actively tried. There was there was one uh, there was a um, a gay female who uh, I was friends with and we worked together. And basically, I was like trying to be like I told her, I, literally all I, I was not trying to. And like when I first met her, I didn't know she was gay, and so like I would have mm. like hit on her. But then when I found out I was gay, I was just like, okay, yeah, it's not gonna happen. But I said, but I talked to her and I was like, you know what? We would have made the perfect editing babies because <laughs> she was an editor, I was an editor, um, and I was like, you know what? If we wanted to make a super editor, we should we should. Um, have a child, I, and that was it. And it was just like it was like a little joke that we had. I think the more fun question is, who is your current man crush? Oh yeah, yeah. All right, man crush, because that is kind of like all part of this as well. Um, it's can I say nineteen seventy five Arnold Schwarzenegger? Sure, nineteen seventy four Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure, yeah. Like you know, it is not always the case. Oh no, no I mean I know back. you. I know you love Arnold. By the, the way, is, I love Arnold. And would I dominate or would I want to be dominated? Mm. But Arnold, and I, and I don't know if, like, I'm a huge Arnold file. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think Arnold Schwarzenegger has the best body of all time. Mm. Mm. Frank Zane, mm. 19, like, 78, 79. He was the uh, Mr. Olympia winner from, like, 76, uh, 77, 78. I think it was. Or it was 78. No, it was 70. No, no, not 76. 76 was Franco Colombo. <laughs> Who doesn't know the fucking Mr. Olympia winner in 1976? <laughs> That's Franco Colombo, obviously. When did Schwarzenegger win? Uh, Schwarzenegger won from 1970 to 1975 and then okay. also won 1980. Oh, shit. Okay. He came back for it? He should not have won. Okay. But he did well, come you, But at that point, he was already a name, right? Like in cinema? He of? was in... He yes. was, or he's starting and to get there, I guess, right? There is, there is controversy in the bodybuilding world if Schwarzenegger should have won the 1980. You go back and look. He's not as cut as he should be. Um, I'm, I'm a bodybuilding he's, fan. Actually, I watch bodybuilding like um, YouTube channels and all this stuff. But he is he was massive. The guy is, he is big. Yeah. But like you compare him to Frank Zane, who also competed in 1980. Frank Zane was cut. He was uh, he had symmetry. He had proportion. He had everything you would want in a, a personal body. But Schwarzenegger won, and I believe because of his name. I'm I'm sure I'm sure. What, wasn't he up against like Lou Ferrigno too? Like what wasn't like no no that. 1975. So that was um, you're thinking of Pumping Iron, the doc- documentary movie. So that was the 1975 documentary. Fra- yeah. By the way, I just looked up Frank Zane. Frank Zane literally has your the the most like n- generic superhero body, meaning it's like perfectly symmetrical. It's literally the template of every superhero body ever, and I think he looks more normally proportioned than than Schwarzenegger does. It- and I think that's the thing that I love about him. Frank Zane has been my, I mean, I would say idol, but like if I said idol, I'd be saying I'm trying to get there. The thing is I'll never get there. Frank Zane is, I think, perfection in body form. Um, you're right. Cause he's, he's Schwarzenegger has huge pecs and they're dominant and they're amazing. But when you compare him to the rest of his body, his pecs might be a little too big. His yeah, stomach yeah, might not because Frank not Zane's be... head looks more proportionate correctly exactly. to his body. I mean, don't get Frank me wrong. Is, I'm, I'm a huge yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. I got no. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. He was always my favorite dude from the '80s. You know, big muscular dude. But I do agree with you. Frank Zane 
is 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 more yeah like more symmetrical yeah. more like yeah and that's, normal, and that's how I put no, more normal that, looking i guess that's how i put it frank zane had i think the perfect body because he was the most symmetrical bodybuilder there's ever been he was the most proportionate bodybuilder there's ever been other people get so swole that they look like cartoon characters because their body is so huge. Yeah. And that's kind of what bodybuilding has become. But Frank Zane was in the area or the era where proportion and size and symmetry mattered. And literally you look at him and you're just like, yeah, that's, that's a comic book character come to life. Yeah. To- I totally do. Like he looks like a, his body looks like the template for every, like yeah. nowadays it's, People tend to draw superheroes a little differently, but like your typical yeah, yeah, yeah. '80s style superhero, he looks like it. Oh, good one, bud. Yep. Good. All right. Uh, well, I like. I, hey, we, I learned about Frank Zane. I never knew about him. Dude, um, I can, I can, I can nerd out on Mr. Olympia and bodybuilding because yeah. I fucking adore That's that. That's cool. Shit. That's fucking cool. Um, I've always had a huge man crush on Ryan Reynolds. I, I like my men <laughs> sexy and funny. He's very slender. He's uh, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. oh man, fucking uh, uh, Blade Trinity Ryan Reynolds was yeah, was wild. Yeah, was a wild ride, bro. <laughs> man crush. Man crush. Man, man crush. <laughs> and we are recording this on a Monday, so this is Man Crush Monday. Man, man Crush Monday. Woo! <laughs> Good one, bud. Good one. All right, so so anyway, so back to Seinfeld, uh, right? Back to Seinfeld again for like the seventh time. Back to Seinfeld. <laughs> this is our. I don't I, care. I'm having a blast, man. I love this fucking episode, bro. <laughs> All right. So I, I think I already mentioned that the homeless guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Homeless guy picked up. Elaine had a great great night with the date or the uh, gay guy. She invites him upstairs and she's trying to change some teams. Um. Yeah. So it seemingly goes well. Um. At Monk's, George. It's kind of more back to normal. He got the rug thrown away and it's gone. And so he's like back to his insecure kind of pathetic self. And that's the George we know and love. Jerry says, good Um, to have you back. Good. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, he decides he's going to go see the bald woman. And he's like, you know what? He's all for it. And honestly, this is a sincere moment where I'm like, good for you, George. Uh You know, Uh he says, oh, she had a nice skull shape. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a sincere moment that is gonna not go yeah. well for George, unfortunately. Yes. So uh, Jerry asks asks George how to beat the lie detector, and George just, he can't really give him you know all of the things, but what he does do is he gives some advice, and this is a this is a classic George Costanza line, and honestly, it's almost it's not quite a throwaway here, but like they don't really elaborate much on this, but this line. I would say defines George Costanza. I was literally going to say the exact same thing. It defines him completely. If you had to pick one, one like sentence to define George Costanza, it would be this line right here. It's not a lie. If you believe it. (laughs) And that is George. (laughs) Holy shit. It's perfect. It's fucking perfect. dude. All right. So Jerry goes to the police station and uh, he sees Elaine on the way where he's walking there. And she's all excited because she swapped the guy. She swapped. She had him swap teams. Yeah. And, oh, holy moly. And Jerry, Jerry does the get out to her and pushes her with uh-huh. the get out. I love that. I love it. It is good. It's good to kind of flip on things. Uh, but, yeah, she's she's got this guy. You know what? 
they can have sex and talk about shopping. This is wonderful. <laughs> the best thing ever. <laughs> so, yes. All right. At the police station, we get another lineup with Kramer. Um, I like it's just kind of cute. He's kind of pointing out the guy who did it as if the lineups are always, you know, four fake guys and one real guy or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. Yeah. I think it was cute. man. That guy that he so. kept pointing out to now that guy had some male male pattern baldness and it was terrible <laughs> yes he did all right all right so now we see jerry on the polygraph machine and once he starts talking about melrose place it starts going wild and we see it just like going crazy his heartbeat obviously or whatever all that kind of stuff his stress levels going insane and what i want to call out is the second he cracks, Jerry cracking is one of, in my personal comments, one of my favorite Jerry scenes because he just goes high pitch. He goes fast. <laughs> he goes ridiculous. I think this is an absolute phenomenal Jerry yeah. scene that I don't think gets talked about enough. Yeah. No, dude, it's, it's, it, it's one of my favorite Jerry scenes. I, I love it. I we've always we've talked about it before. We love when he yeah. gets high pitched when things don't go his way and everything. And yeah, dude, this is a culmination of everything. And he just he's trying, he's trying, he's trying, and then he finally has enough and he flips out and he freaks out and it's great. It's fucking great, bro. And he doesn't even he just is yelling and he's fucking like essentially stomping his feet and grabbing his you know jacket and he's out. He doesn't even say goodbye. He's just yeah. That phony bullet. She's such a phony baloney and this and that. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yep. Which the you could arguably say, fuck the detective for forcing this on Jerry. But I will say, in her defense, she believes he's lying to her. And you know what? Jerry is lying to her from the beginning yeah. about liking Melrose Place, and so she's just calling him out. Yeah, and, and no, no, fuck the detective. Like this was supposed to be like a fun little just. You know, like it started out as like a yeah. fun thing, you know, and it turned yeah. into something more. <laughs> and and yeah, Jerry turned it into something more. And Jerry could have been like, okay, I was lying. I I love yes. Melrose Place, but he can't. He can't do that. He has to. <laughs> he has to freak out, and that's what makes it fucking great. I I think it's awesome. I think I think you're right. It's an underrated, fun yeah. Jerry moment in the entire series. And one that yep, I remember, agreed. I it's, it's like a, a very memorable one. Agreed. All right. At the apartment, Elaine says that the beard went back. He switched back to the other team. Uh, more sports analogies, all that kind of shit about, you know, who's hitting for who, what team and that kind of stuff. Um, we are about to watch Melrose, Melrose Place. They're all back together kind of to watch the show. I think that's kind of cute. Yep. George pops in. Apparently, we find out he was dumped. Because he wasn't thin enough. Uh, and Kramer thinks it's because he took off his toupee. He didn't have his toupee anymore. And so she started re realizing how non, how stout he was and not uh, how thin he was. And so she ended up dumping him. So he feels like shit. Uh, Meryl's place comes on and they are all into it. And I love that Jerry says, oh, I hate that Michael. He's just so smug. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Oh, it's good shit. Uh, an extra little thing. I think it's particularly funny. Melrose Place was a Fox show, not an NBC show. And so, like, I imagined why the fuck wouldn't they do an NBC show? Because obviously, why not promote the show that is on your same network? Because Seinfeld was 100% uh, a fucking 
NBC show, but they are actively like pushing this show that was on Fox. I, I just think it's because it was that big of a show. Yeah, I was, it's kind of funny. I was going to say, yeah, because as someone who more remembers that time, Melrose yeah. Place was a big fucking deal. And it was, I mean, it was, it was your typical soap opera cheesiness. Honestly, you know, if you look back, um, the nighttime soap operas, Dallas was the was the huge one, right? That was the one yeah, that like, it toppled so many shows in the eighties. Per- nothing could stand against it, and it was like pri- prime time. Prime time soap opera was sitcom for a long time, but like soap operas really came over. Like da- you're right, Dallas destroyed when it came to prime time yep. si- uh, prime time soap operas. But like. You had the the Beverly Hills 90210. You had the Melrose Place. These were like the later nineties. And, and I was going to say, sitcoms. I was going to say, or, no, sorry, primetime um, uh, uh, soap opera. Right. And I was going to say, Mel like 90210 was a big hit too. But like, I do feel like Melrose Place was like the second, or at least at the time. I don't think if you look back on it, it's going to be that way. But I think at the time, it was the Dallas of the moment. Like, everyone was like, oh, okay. shit. Like, like um, you know, primetime soap operas are back. Like, Melrose Place is what sort of brought it back. Because 90210 was still for kids. It was still more of a younger generation. But Melrose Place was for the adults. And it was like, Dallas is back, baby, essentially. Okay. And I just, I never really watched it, so I didn't give it Right, shit. yeah, yeah, exactly. But in a, in, and to your point, why aren't they, why weren't they, you know, hawking a NBC show? I, it's because Melrose Place was a massive cultural phenomenon at the time. But I don't think it holds up as well as Dallas does. Like in this n- the nostalgia area. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like, uh, when I think of what show was bigger between Miller's Place and Beverly Hills, I know I think Beverly right. Hills was bigger because it lasted longer. Right. Um, and I, but you're right. So Dallas is a huge one because they had huge pop culture moments like who, who shot JR. Who shot JR. Like no one, yeah. like Melrose Place wanted to have those moments. It never did. And, and, mm. and Dallas, it, it never did topple Dallas. But when this episode came out, it was the height of like Melrose Place. Okay. Well, makes sense. So, all right. At the uh, end of the episode, we have a little tag here of Kramer doing another lineup. And we see that the homeless guy who's wearing the toupee uh, is do is, you know, the witness, and he calls out Kramer why just out of spite, basically. Yeah. Haha, ha, kind of funny. It's it's nothing special. It's just kind of a cute little tag. It is. It's funny seeing Kramer's expression as they're like, number four, you know, step forward. And Kramer's like, me? You know? <laughs> exactly. So, Corey, I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Oh, it's it's easy, bro. I loved this episode. It's one of those episodes that I've always enjoyed. Um, I'm very happy to see that it holds up. I love the exchange between Elaine and George. That is comedic gold. That is Seinfeld. That is Seinfeld royalty. And it's so funny that the clip show came one episode prior because none of that made it into the clip show, whereas it should have. Because moving forward, this is a scene that they do show when people talk about fucking Seinfeld. And bro... I already gave this a favorable like review because I had a blast talking about it. But I have to admit, I absolutely loved the tangents we went on to on in this in this episode of Cartwright. But the fact that you 
essentially clarified everything with the bald girl, you know, the bald lady that George, you know, tries to date. I didn't like, I, I never knew I didn't understand it until you clarified it. And it makes so much more sense because of, of how it played out because of you sort of, like I said, explaining it to me, I had to actually give it a, a, an extra point for that. So it was originally, wow. Oh, I should have come up with something better. I'm going to steal it. Okay. <laughs> it was originally going to be four toupees, uh, uh, four toupees picked up by a homeless man, but I'm going to have to give it a little bit of a nudge to 4.5 toupees picked up by Uncle Rico on the ground. Because, bro, I think this episode's a, such a blast, but you exponentially helped me appreciate the episode more. So thank you for that. I had a very similar thought process with my discussion and with my grading of this episode. So solid. Um, I love that we get back to the end of the last, of uh, the last, you know, real Seinfeld episode, George ends on a high note and you know, it's fine. I didn't hate that he ended on a high note, but my favorite is George starting high, ending low. Like that's how it should be. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Elaine was not to particularly to say she was weak, this episode, but she was like, kept trying to like catch this guy and catch this guy. And we've talked about how we've hated Elaine weak episodes, but I wouldn't say she was weak on this one. She was just like pushing for something and she didn't get it. Um, I extremely similarly to you started with a four out of five, but I gave it a little nudge. And so I gave it a 4.5. It wasn't perfect. There was yeah. stuff enough to just like yeah. pulled me back from giving it a five. Like almost. It was it was fucking almost there. It just it just didn't have yeah. that that tiny little X factor. That's all. Exactly. And it there was an X factor that was lacking, but it still I very vehemently agree. It deserves a 4.5 out of 5 failed polygraph <laughs> good one good one dude yeah dude this episode was fucking fun but honestly more so i don't know why but the this cartwright episode was so much fucking fun to do i <laughs> holy lo- shit it was long it was it so was long. but but i feel like we've needed that because we've had a good a good solid cool 45 minute episodes for a bit 50 minute episodes <laughs> but boy we needed some uh, we needed a good tangent episode and i think like this episode it, 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 it in a good way like it opened our minds up to to discussing other things and some of that is actual social issues which which honestly let's not let's not take that away from Seinfeld bro let's not take away the fact that it actually was this episode was actually trying to say something it, mm-hmm. I think we'd have to leave it up to a, a um a homosexual person to actually tell us if they did it correctly because we're looking at mm-hmm. it from a heterosexual point of view, but at least it got us talking about things. And that's pretty fucking amazing for a 22 minute sitcom, right? This show probably doesn't get enough credit for pushing boundaries. Like people think like, okay, Oh, maybe Dharma and Greg. Cause they had some like more overt gay characters yeah. or other stuff like that. But Seinfeld pushed a lot of boundaries and I would say normalized some things in like more mainstream culture that people may not think. And it's, you know what? I'm really glad it did because it's like this shit doesn't matter. Like you and I are very similar with a lot of stuff and we think, fuck it, just you be you. I don't give a shit who you are. 
Just that's that. Yeah, we, we don't don't care about your orientation. We just we care about the person. At <laughs> the end of the day, I only care if the person's an asshole or not an asshole. I don't give a crap about anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and so we should all just be better people to each other and try to be more open. And I think you're right. I think yes, Starman and Greg probably did a lot more uh, and stuff like that, and 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 you know Will and Grace and things like that. But you know, I do think that we wouldn't have gotten there if we didn't have Seinfeld, and and probably more so the episode not that there's anything wrong with that episode but you know this was a this was a decent follow up to to those kind of like mm-hmm. thought patterns you know and and let in and like you said normalizing things and and that's a and having representation and actually like having representation it's it's a big deal it's a, it's a big fucking deal to have representation and uh yeah dude it's 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 a good episode man and it was a it was. It's nice that this is. This was following the the one hundred uh, wrap yeah. up. You know what I mean. And what I want to emphasize is, it's normalizing. Um, you know, a lot of quote unquote different uh, mentalities or different whatever. But it's doing it in a way that doesn't feel like it's overt. It's not shoving it down your yes. throat. It's just like, hey, this is a thing, and we're just doing dealing with it. And it's just like. Yeah, that's that's fucking life, yep. man. And that's I love it. And that's that's the best way you should handle topics, you know, like this. You don't make it a, you don't make it a big deal out of it. You just handle it, and that's awesome. Just like Adam and John handle all of your nostalgia from the nineties on blast. No, we're ridiculous. Past. Handle it, baby. We are we're straight up ridiculous with a lot of our shit, but. You tried for the segue. I don't think it was that smooth, but thank you. <laughs> I attempted. Uh, I attempted it. <laughs> you attempted. Yeah, yeah. Me and John do a lot of stuff. We talk movies, TV shows. We do fan castings. I think that's one thing that we do that a lot of other places don't do. If you are interested in casting or also album reviews yep. and top 10 episodes, check us out on the Blast From Our Past podcast. Um, we also have a trivia show called Throwback Trivia Takedown. If you like trivia... I can almost guarantee you're going to enjoy it. Any trivia file would probably appreciate the show. Um, and, ha- and having been on there a few times yeah. myself, yes, multiple uh, times. <laughs> I I never realized that, like like you said, trivia file. I, I never realized there was such a a huge niche uh, uh, for trivia people because it's it's not my steez, you know what I mean. But like I appreciate it, and I also, as someone who has uh, hosted an episode of Throwback mm-hmm. Trivia Takedown, so that Adam, you're, you're the you're the only person who yeah. has hosted an episode of Throwback Trivia Takedown that's not. Named Named Spees. Who's not, whose last name is not Spees. And, bro, I have a newfound respect for the amount of work that you guys put into that show. The pre-production on Throwback Trivia Takedown is insane. I, bro, that's that's insane, bro. So hats off. Well, hats you, off to you as from one content producer, from one content producer who, who, who respects the other one. I respect your, your content production. You Hats off, my man. Mad respect for that, dude. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. But I also really appreciate the shows that you do, including Podcasting After Dark with our friend, Zach Shaver. <laughs> A.K.A. 
Zach the Snack. Zach the Snack. <laughs> that was your nickname. You did that. Yes. You did. own it, my man. Own it. You did that. We've been using that. He's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking. Oh dude. yeah, he's the best-looking dude in the network. We've been. I've been calling him Zach the Snack ever since you did. That has stuck, my man. So good job. Yeah. We uh, Zach and I, uh, we break down and we review cult movies, usually from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but occasionally we have newer movies and. And uh, right now, you can probably check out our Psycho Goreman review. Came out in 2020. That's a newer one. But usually, like I said, we're 80s and 90s. And uh, you can expect our episodes to be, to be at least three hours long. So if you like the movie we're talking about, you're going to be with it for a while. <laughs> it's for a while. Which I love because it's like massive in-depth breakdown. Yeah. Um, not other shows do that. They do a lot more over-the-top general stuff. And even me and John do on Blast from Past over-the-top. You and Corey break down every goddamn scene, every fucking shot to an extent, <laughs> yeah, it sounds it's, like. It's fun. It's fun. And obviously, we hope you guys also... We hope that you checked out our, our Mortal Kombat you know, roundtable yes. discussion and everything, and you got a glimpse into the other podcasts in our network, and we love everything that's going on. We love action action. We love... Uh, uh, obviously, we said throwback trivia takedown, but we love talking back. We love uh, a, a, the newest. Uh, it's not a trivia show, but he comes from a, a trivia pedigree. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, Adam, tell me about People Don't Forget, Scott Grimes' podcast? Yeah, so Scott Grimes is from the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. He's a sports fan, and so he's a sports uh, trivia podcaster. Check that one out as well. I wholeheartedly agree, but... His podcast, People Don't Forget, a Nostalgia Cast, has joined the Beef Hop Network, and they uh, he doesn't he posts not super regularly, but what I do like that he's been doing his last couple episodes, he did some decade um, awards, and I love I've listened to both episodes, I fucking love them. Him and uh, Marcus Ellis, who we've had on Blast from Our Past, and uh, Sam Carr, who I've been on his show, Hollywood Cast Connection. He's actually been on Throwback Trivia Takedown as well as our highest uh, scoring person ever on the show that I remember. Um, but they did a whole like breakdown of like who wins, like what is the best movie of the decade? What oh, is cool. the best word of the decade? What is the best meme of the decade? That kind of shit. Um, but it's fantastic stuff. He kind of really actually, most of his episodes break down like a whole, a whole cultural pop cultural thing from a certain year. So he'll break down like, Hey, I want to talk music from 2005. And so they'll break down with a person, uh, some other person and be like, Hey, let's talk this kind of stuff. It's a different format. Cause a lot of our shows break down like a specific movie, a specific TV show or whatever. His is a little bit more general, but it's a lot more open-ended and I enjoy that kind of discussion. And Scott is a fantastic host, um, a genuine, wonderful guy. I hope everyone out there checks out. People don't forget. Yes. Yep. I do too. And uh, check out Talking Back, our pals Tim and Dean. They do a great job. And yeah, like you said, most of us, we break down the movies. Um, that's how most of the shows go, which is interesting because I, I, you know, with Pad, uh, kind of followed your template over a blast from our past and everything. Because mm-hmm. I really, I, I tried to make that show mirror 
the blast from our past uh, uh, sands uh, the recasting and everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun and I love it. I love our network, man. I love everyone on it. It's so freaking cool to be surrounded by other podcasters that I personally respect and love. I have been a fan of Adam and John's podcast, Blast from Our Past. Not, I, I, I unfortunately can't say the day one, but I was in the first like chunk, you know what I mean? And and I've been listening every single episode ever since. And uh, and same with Talking Back. And, and I'm going back and I'm kind of listening through action, action. And I, I can't say, I, I can't give this like the high enough like praise, but like, like basically every podcast that is in our network, I love the people who do it. I respect them and I love that podcast. So it's, Guys, it's it, we're not just bringing them in to bring them in. Like we're bringing in people that we respect and care about. So, check it out True. if you if you think any of this sounds interesting. And if you do, you can find every single link, every single link to every Apple podcast for each episode, each each podcast. You can find everything over at bfopnetwork.com. That's bfopnetwork.com. Also lovingly referred to as B. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And we'll see you guys next week with The Kiss Hello. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.